Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the very sexy collection, like the made-to-be-seen very sexy push-up bra in on-trend hues like green, citron, and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Brain blast! Did you ever watch Jimmy Neutron? Mm-hmm. His dummy thick mom. <laughs> the mom with the dumb trunk ass. <laughs> <laughs> she does! Have you seen Jimmy she Neutron's does. mom? Jimmy his Neutron's mom, mom is... His mom, the mom from the Fairly Odd Parents too. Oh, yeah. They are packing. These women are... I love the wagons they drag in. <laughs> Ew. I have two favorite movies of all time that are kind of neck and neck. Okay, I think I know what they are. One of them is Marie Antoinette. Sophia oh, Coppola's yeah. Marie Antoinette. And the other one is Rear Window. Okay. Um, the Hitchcock movie. Right, extremely boring. Boring? Sorry. Already, we are <laughs> we are less than a minute into this podcast. Seconds. And you are already coming for me. Coming in hot with bad takes about Alfred Hitchcock. I was a kid with ADHD. I couldn't muscle my way through most old movies. Okay, well, I think that's uh, that's a you thing, yes. and not a Hitchcock thing. Okay, sure. Okay, those have been my favorite movies for years. But I think a third option presented itself somewhat recently, mm. and I believe it is also your favorite movie. It is not one of my favorite movies. Moonstruck is uncontestably my favorite movie, point blank, period. And I have it tattooed on my leg. We'll get into that. Today, we are talking about Moonstruck, the 1987 film starring Cher, Nicolas Cage, Olympia Dukakis. 
Um, that one guy from Frasier. <laughs> yes. Before that, we're going to talk about what's going on in pop culture. It's the end of the year, so maybe we'll like take a look back on some of our favorite pieces of pop culture from 2021. Yeah, we will toxically round up the best of the year and create yeah. hierarchies. Yeah, we might do hit some, them against each we other. We might do some lists. Uh, this is Like a Virgin, the podcast where we talk about yesterday's pop culture and give it today's takes. I'm Rose Damu. I'm Fran Dorado. And that's Amore. I'm excited that we're going to um, talk about all of the stuff that we really loved from this year and nothing that we didn't like because we only we want to go forward into 2022 mm-hmm. with positivity. That's right. This is our year in review, our queer in review, if you will. Love that. <laughs> I guess we should start with TV because I don't know about you, but that's like the thing that I consumed the most of this year. A lot of my faves were everybody else's faves, like loved WandaVision, loved Sex Education. I was there for White Lotus and Hacks like every week. I think if I were to think about what my like standout shows of the year were, Legendary, the season two of Legendary was definitely one of them. I watched every episode multiple times. I was so invested in every single team. For those of you that don't know, Legendary is like a ballroom culture competition reality series on HBO Max that is just some of the best reality TV storytelling I have heard in ages, combined with dance sequences that are mind-blowing. Another show... Well, actually, what what, were, what was one of your favorites from... WandaVision, definitely, you know, that was a big moment for us. We watched it together every week. It was event television in a way that we haven't had in a while. It felt like truly everyone was watching it, and it was really compelling. It was like, I think, uh, one of the best things the MCU has done in years. But uh, I guess if I'm thinking of a standout episode of a show... This one's pretty recent, but the final season of Pen15 just came out on Hulu, and there's an episode, Yuki, that's about one of the characters' moms, and it's like one of those episodes of a TV show where it focuses on a character who's not the lead, Mm. and it gives this woman who is just like a mother this interior life, and like she meets up with her ex-husband, and they have this whole day together, and it's so like beautiful and sad and sweet and I just really loved it and it has stuck with me since I watched it. I think I think it's one of the best episodes of TV I've seen in years. I am still making my way through season two. I can't wait to watch that episode. If we're talking about fave episodes of the year, I will reserve my thoughts for Pose uh, as a whole. However, the Electra episode of Pose and her origin story, which I think is episode three of this last season, is maybe the best episode of the entire show. It was so compelling and beautiful and original and thoughtful. Um, I also really, really loved Hunter Schaefer's special episode of Euphoria that came out at the beginning of this year. It's one that, like, I talked about in therapy multiple times. It, like, haunted me. I thought it was, like, exquisite writing. Um, I, I, But also something that you and I both enjoyed is the episode of Schmigadoon that involves both an, an amazing Ariana DeBose performance and a four-and-a-half-minute song by Kristen Chenoweth, wherein she's, like, spitting rhymes 
And she does it all in one take. That was a great episode. I do think, though, that the Schmigadoon episode I liked more was the one with Jane Krakowski, where she does that that number oh while she's where she's God. standing on top of the car. I feel like people really schlepped. I feel I was gonna say schlepped. People schlepped. really schlepped on Schmigadoon this year. <laughs> they really did. But if you're not familiar with Schmigadoon, um, it's like basically this rom-com sitcom wherein a couple stumbles upon a town that is basically a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical and it kind of pokes fun at various tropes within musicals it's super funny very ingenious I also wanted to quickly touch on maybe my other favorite tv show of the year I really loved this show sort of which is an HBO Max original it's about a trans non-binary Pakistani nanny bartender who is at kind of this like pivotal moment in their life I'm not gonna lie I I really judged the show before I went into it like the people that were recommending it to me were I'll say it, cis. And to me, like, quite frankly, I think a lot of, like, media portrayals of non-binary people specifically are are in a post-them.us world are, like, very manufactured. Like, they're very for, like, cis consumption. And that's kind of what I thought I was getting into because, like, a lot of, like, portrayals of non-binary people have this very, like, self-serious, like, overwroughtness. You know, it's, like, triumph porn. But sort of was so disinterested in the question of non-binary identity and was really more of like a queer brown like Daria if I were to give it like a comparison. Oh I love that so much. The like deadpan. And like floating through life like there are high stakes things that happen there's a lot of like hijinks but the show doesn't revel in conversations about pronouns right like thank god for me personally like if if stories about pronouns are important and impactful for you to consume that's cool for me they are overplayed and they're boring and they're just not what a gender non-conforming experience is about and like i personally don't talk about this a lot but like my gender has been like an ongoing project since i was a kid but like most of the last two years have been looking at like where I belong on the trans spectrum and like what my gender means to me. And the promise of the show sort of is like that it's okay to still be evolving and that we should create space for that to be okay. So this show was like such a must watch. I, I was talking to my dad the other day and he like, we kind of got into something about how like, I don't like tell him things. And he was like, Oh, and you like never talk to me about your transition anymore. And I was like, I don't talk to anyone about it. Cause it's not interesting. And it, I, I mean, it's great to have an offering that like is presenting the life of someone who is trans. I'm like, of course that's, I'm sure that's part of the story and their lived experience. But like the story is about a, a story. Exactly. Speaking of representation, Get it, getting into the best of movies of the year. Finally, bad bitches are represented in Cruella. Yes, Cruella go. was, I will, okay, my, my top three movies of the year were definitely The Green Knight, Cruella, mm. and Spencer. Cruella was the first movie I saw back in theaters after I got vaccinated. It was so good. You know, I think we had been teased for so long about the Emma Stone Cruella movie, which like is... Um, I, someone's made this joke before that like it's it's a movie that sounds like the premise came from a tweet that like hmm. Emma Stone should play young Cruella and like it actually happened. Yeah, that is actually true. But yeah. um, 
It was a really fun movie. She was great in it. The looks were amazing. It had a killer soundtrack of all this, like, great, like, 60s and 70s, like, rock and punk. I honestly looked at the year and movies, and I cannot really say that I had a fave. I'm not going to lie. I think that there were a lot of movies that came out where I was like, I love that, but I had a huge problem with it. I mean, even with, like, something like Encanto, it's like, that would have been a fave of the year, but, like, the music was really so, so not it. For me, maybe Shang-Chi was, like, the most fun I had while watching a movie this year. I also really loved the Tina Turner documentary on HBO Max. But other than that, I mean, movies were a flop for me this year. Should we get into music? Yeah. I'm looking at our notes. You have a very extensive list of your favorites. I only put one song. Which was? Which was Message in a Bottle by Taylor Swift (laughs) from Red, Taylor's version. This is both like kind of a joke and also serious. I I message in a bottle, I think this is the best song of 2021. I honestly don't think it's a joke at all. I think that we should hold space for that to be a legitimate critique of the year in music. I totally agree with that. I'm on on board with it. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. A lot of my fave songs of the year were like everybody else's favorites, at least in queer worlds. Like the Gasoline Heim remix with Taylor I thought was amazing. We all loved, like, Please by Jesse Ware, Bunny as a writer, Silk Chiffon by Muna. I really loved The Dealer off of the new Lana Del Rey album. Dealer was great. Brutal. I don't think that the album was, like, a, a hit, but I thought Brutal was, like, such you a You didn't? Sa- I think Sour is my favorite album of 2021, and of all of the songs on it, oh. Good For You, What like, I had such a moment with Good For You. Like, that was one of my most listened to songs this year on Spotify, and I think the pop-punk thing she was doing just really resonated um, with me. And that is why Sour is my favorite new album of the year for sure. So I'm at a crossroads with Sour specifically because part of me feels like if it had just been an EP and it had been Brutal, Driver's License, Good For You, and like Jealousy Jealousy, you know, like those bangers, like that absolutely would have been like quote-unquote album or, like, compilation of the year. But at the same time, if she had released an EP, it never would have been, like, this cult sensation. Obviously, it had to be an album, so it's kind of stupid to say. But for me, there were a lot of skips on the album. Yeah, there's some filler, for sure. Yeah, there's some filler queens, which is why it's not album of the year for me, but brutal, undeniable. Um, In terms of my number ones for tracks, um, there's an unreleased SZA song that she herself put out on SoundCloud called Joni that it's like a minute and a half and features SZA's whistle tone. I also loved Billie Eilish's Happier Than Ever, the title track on that album. If you are not a little eyelash, that song will set you free. Um, And then I also loved Into the Cunt of It by Ocean Kelly, which is this kind of TikTok sound that remixes a song from the Backyardigans that I think is really amazing. And I think Ocean Kelly, who... You know, there's kind of like some Azalea Banks comparisons, but she made that WandaVision remix. Her stuff is so good. She also did the song, um, Can I Get That Vegan Vegan Pussy? Can I Get (laughs) get That that Vegan 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 Cunt? (laughs) But she, like, that was one of the tracks of the year for me. I thought it was so good and so fun. This really was the year of TikTok sounds. (laughs) It was. That Willow song, Meet Me at Our Spot. I, I did listen to that a lot this year because of TikTok. 
it did come out like a year or two ago, but it was kind of a song of 2021. Yeah. I sure. liked a lot of the stuff she put out this year. I really liked her song with Avril Lavigne. Uh, it's like, it's I only like two minutes long. I need, I need the girls to start making longer songs. It's not, yeah. I need more than three minutes, babe. Obviously, you and I loved Red and Solar Power. Yes. And, Solar um, Power. Solar Power. I guess, like, when I'm thinking about my favorite album of the year, it's like, not even necessarily what did I love the most front to back. It's like, what is the album that, like, really was the vibe of 2021 for me? And it definitely was Sour, which, I mean, mm-hmm. like, obviously makes me feel feel weird because I'm 33 and Olivia Rodrigo <laughs> is, is 18. Um but I do kind of still give credence to the idea that she's like an industry plant who's making like music for millennials while like pretending that it's for Gen Z. Yeah. She was manufactured in a, a Gen Z laboratory. Should we go into books? I read a lot this year because like, I hate to say this, but it kind of is because of TikTok because I like got really into TikTok this spring and um, like got really into book talk. And so I got a lot of really good book recommendations. And I would say that my favorites are not really things that came out this year. Well, definitely Detransition Baby was one of my favorite books of the year. And it was released this year. And I think is an incredible novel by Tori Peters. But my favorite books that I read this year, number one was A Certain Hunger by Chelsea G. Summers, okay. which is sort of like a female American psycho. It's like a fake memoir of this food critic who is a serial killer cannibalist. It's super funny. The way that she talks about food and sex is like so like beautifully grotesque. Definitely like if you enjoy that like sort of unreliable narrator, like evil protagonist, I would definitely check that out. And then I don't know if it's my favorite of the year, but kind of like an influential book <laughs> um, yes. through, through which I became like a, a book influencer and made several people in my life read something was <laughs> Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuinston. Um, I, we're giggling because, one, this this book came out like a few years ago. Yeah. But two, like, it's just like the quintessential, like queer young adult like it's not a young adult novel but like new adult is like the the categorization of of what it is and it was easily my book of the year (laughs) like i i can't remember the last time i had such a emotional reaction to a book and and how i really tore through a book but um if anyone who doesn't know what red white and royal blue is it's about the bisexual first son of the united states falling in love with the gay prince of england and they have like a a love affair and it's it's a rom-com it's like it has like all the tropes that you want it's like enemies to lovers there's a fake not relationship but like they're forced together because they have to pretend to be friends because of a cake incident (laughs) it is just really so many so many components of it should be on paper like a bad book and it is an incredible book all the way through. Uh, Fran, what were your other uh, favorite books of the year? I really loved Cleanness 
by Garth Greenwell, which is like an erotic novel that has a really gorgeous prose. I think Garth Greenwell writes like the best sex scenes on the planet. I also really loved Little Devil in America by Hanif Abdurraqib, which is a collection of criticism on black culture in America, starting from like things like Soul Train or Michael Jackson or, or you know, Aretha Franklin to like, you know, things happening in the modern day. I just think that Hanif's writing as like a poet is a really beautiful lens on cultural criticism. Another book I've, I forgot to mention that I really loved this year. I don't think that this came out this year, but it was one of my faves. A Dowry of Blood by S.T. Gibson. Mm. It's about Dracula's brides and it's like super sapphic and really like beautiful lyrical writing. So if you're into vampires and lesbians, which why wouldn't you be? <laughs> why would you be? I would definitely check it out. It's a it's a nice like little novella. It's probably like 200 pages. The Virgin's listening. We want to hear what your best of was this year. You should like tweet at us or get in our Instagram stories about like what were your faves of the year. Like I'm just curious to see what else is out there. Yeah, tell us. We want to know. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles. Like the made-to-be-seen, very sexy push-up bra from the Very Sexy Collection. In on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. Now in this season's must-have shades and patterns. Add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape Fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. 
It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. <laughs> I googled Moonstruck to find out what year it is. And the, the, you know, the section where it says people also ask... The first question is, why is Moonstruck a good movie? Ah, uh, so I guess that's a that's a good way to start our discussion, an Fran. Excellent premise. Why is Moonstruck a good movie? So the thing about Moonstruck, at least upon first watch, is that it has all of the ingredients of what you think will be a bad movie. It has a kind of bizarre premise. It has Cher, who you think is not an actress if you've never watched Cher before. And then you have Nicolas Cage, who's kind of like a meme in pop culture now. Well, I don't, let's not talk about why people think it's a bad movie. Why is it a good movie? Well, because it's like maybe one of the most beautiful like meditations on like love and fate and like the messiness of romance that like I've ever watched in my entire life. Why do you think it's a good movie? Uh, It's really funny. It's a, a a really great slice of life movie, mm. which I love. It's kind of structured like a play in a way. Yeah, it's it's a very tight glimpse into a really short period of time in one family's life. Very um, John Patrick Shanley, right? Yeah, I think Moonstruck is definitely remembered as one of the greatest films of our lifetimes, and it's a romantic comedy, which I don't think like are not usually elevated in the kind of way that Moonstruck is. Plus, you've never seen Nick Cage in, like, a rom-com. Oh, well, actually, National Treasure, you know, is kind of a rom-com. What, it's a, what, what is the romance between him and Treasure Hunt? There, no, there's a, there's a woman in it. I don't know. I saw ages ago. But there's a woman in it that he, like, kind of falls in love with while as they're, like, you know, you know pillaging for treasure and, yeah, and but colonizing. I, I wouldn't call it a romantic comedy. <laughs> I would. I would. I would. I would say National Treasure is a romantic comedy. Um, okay. For those of you listening that maybe haven't watched yet, which is you didn't do your homework, but that's okay. Okay, that's why you're here. Um, should we like loosely go over the plot? Sure. Loretta Castorini, she is a widow. She is supposed to be like a, I guess, a homely version of Cher. They like give her gray hair. Mm-hmm. They. She's, she's a, a woman. She's, she's an a, accountant. Yeah, she's a woman who you know kind of feels that life has passed her by, so she's not really taking care of herself. Yeah, exactly. And she lives. She lives at home with her family in this, frankly. An incredible house that probably costs millions and millions of dollars. I'm so glad you brought it up because it is, in fact, for sale for the nominal price of $12.3 million. And and if any daddies out there listening to this podcast want to... You know, bias the Moonstruck house <laughs> yes. to turn into like a virgin in, headquarters. In the heart of Brooklyn Heights, it's like in a gorgeous location. You're right on the water. Like, it's just, it would be so beautiful. Yes. Also, a very important part of the movie is that 
Cher is Italian and yes. her family is Italian. I would say that is maybe the most important thematic thing about the movie. I, I would disagree, but I get what I would get what you're saying. It is about an, an is it a, it is about an Italian ex family. Yes, it is about you know Italian culture. Um, yes, so Cher is a widow. She is in a relationship with Johnny. Yes, um, Johnny Camareri, who proposes to her, uh, but has in the to, worst way. Possible. Yeah, in the it, horrible. Um, rotted. Mm-hmm. Definitely not how I want to be proposed to, even though I don't want to be proposed to. You can watch the movie, but, like, it, it's painting this picture of a woman who is basically conceded to life. Her previous husband got hit by a bus. She doesn't really kind of believe in love anymore. She's in her 30s, which, like, in this era, like, in the 80s, it's like, you know, you might as well be dead if you're, like, a woman and you're 30 and you're not married. Like, it's it's just, like, there's so many different... I mean, I, that's also, like, an Italian-American thing, like, she's, like, a failed woman, and so she's found the nearest possible guy, this guy, Johnny Camareri, who is, like, a schlub and terrible. Yes, but he is a family man. and He's so a family man. he proposes to her and then has to go to Italy because his mother is dying. And he says, I can't, like, I need, my mother needs to be a part of this, this, this Well, he says, I can't get married until, like, until my mother's okay or exactly. until she dies. Um, but before he leaves to go to Italy, he tells Loretta... That he needs to reconcile with his brother, played by Nicolas Cage. Ronnie. Before, Ronnie. Oh, so hot. So. Um, before they get married. So Loretta has to go and, you know, try to help mend this rift between the brothers. Someone she's never met. Never met. And spoiler alert, she and Ronnie fall in love. They they don't just fall in love. They fuck Real, they have like great sex. They have it's well, we will get into it, but also while all this is going on, we also see Loretta's family life and her mother, played by Olympia Dukakis, is feeling you know slighted by her father, which she should because her father's having an affair, of course. Um, it feels like a lot of there's a lot of themes of like infidelity, loving the wrong people, stuff like that, yes, and then. There's also a, a moon. Right. Uh, the moon. There's one of the cos- primary characters. One of the, yes. As played by... Uh, Top build in yeah. the movie is the moon. As played by uh, um, Ariana Grande. Uh, no, as played by the moon. Oh, yeah. Okay. The moon appearing as herself. I just always imagine... You know how Ari, like, loves the moon? She's a cancer. Yeah, she's a cancer. And she just, you know, the moon is, like, a part of her set or everything. I can just see her, like, little face popping out of the moon when, like, they go, Oh, look, it's Cosmo's, Cosmo's moon. And then you just see Ari and she's like... Unfortunately, I do think that in 20 years, someone will try to remake Moonstruck and, like, probably will cast Ariana Grande. No, it's going to be, like, Beanie Feldstein or something like that. No, but Ariana's Italian. I know, but Ari cannot pull... Well, Ari can serve I'm not saying she can do it. I'm saying they will probably try to make her do it. No one could possibly ladder up to what Cher gives. However, Ari can give camp. I, I think that she would be fine. She wouldn't have be we good d- Have we given a good enough explanation of, of the plot of Moonstruck? Well, the setup, which I think is all sure. that's needed because we can, you know, meander through these other parts. It must be said that um, when Johnny, not Ronnie, not Nicolas Cage, but Nicolas Cage's brother, uh, is taking off on the airport, there's an old woman, as played by Rose Damu. Um, <laughs> it li- is literally me. Literally you. And there's this old woman, she's like looking at the plane as it's leaving. This is back in the day 
pre 9-11 when you could like go and like watch people like take flight, you know, watch their flights take off or whatever. Watch them defy gravity. Yeah, watch them defy gravity. Yeah. There's an old woman that's like, I put a curse on that plane on my sister who cheated on me. And and well, she, her sister didn't cheat on her. Her, 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 her right. sister married the man that she had wanted to marry. Exactly. It's not important. It's like a kind of like throwaway. No, but it's a great, like, the movie is filled with those small moments yeah. that just stick with you like that. they're so specific. Yes. And unexpected. Um, and this movie has one of the best glow-ups of all time. Cher, who starts the movie looking kind of dowdy, which, like, for any other woman would be the most glamorous they ever looked. And she still um, looks amazing. Yeah. Um, she, so Cher uh, hooks up with Ronnie, and uh, they go to the opera together, and before that, she gets a makeover. Well, there's some stakes in that, too. Basically, Ronnie says, she says, this is a cheating, we're cheating right now. This will never work. We can never speak to each other again. And Ronnie says, okay, fine. We're never going to speak to each other again. One, basically, like, one more time with feeling, like, our, let's do one last cheaty thing, and let me take you to the opera. It's like this kind of, like, there's this emotional stake to it where Ronnie's like, I'm never going to be happy without you in my life and I can't have you, but can I have you just for this one night? And so Cher gives us what is the makeover montage of all makeover montages. I mean, not of all, but like, it's a really good makeover montage. It's not even really like that much of a montage. Like you do see her, you know, in the chair getting her hair done, her makeup done, but it's about the moment when she emerges (sighs) and is... Cher. She's Cher. Yeah, she is. And Cher says in interviews that she preferred playing, like, the dowdier version of Loretta. Like, she, she, you know, after the glow-up, she, you know, was having a harder time. She really can inhabit a character. Like, that's something that is really beautiful about her portrayal of Loretta is, even though she has her Sherry kind of snap out of it, like, things in it, like, it still is not her distinctly yeah i do love the scene af- right after she gets made over where she goes home and she's oh, like goodness. sitting in front of the fire and uh getting ready um that is my favorite scene too i i have to say like it is essentially a sex scene with no one else yeah like, she yeah she comes home she totally. turns on the fireplace she's feeling she it. pours herself a glass of wine like some like you know sexy like Sade-y kind of jazz plays she and she's like literally it's literally us after Black Friday like opening up her all the things she bought for herself Uh, she's a dragon looking at all the wealth that she's hoarded and you know not to go too earnest too quickly but like that scene actually I think encapsulates like my favorite element of the film which is like a story that is actually about coming into your own and, and falling in love with yourself again like the, the portrait of Loretta is, like, this woman who has... She's a wolf, as they say in the film. Like, she has, like... She's been down on her luck. She doesn't really believe in magic or love anymore. She doesn't really think that she deserves nice things. And now a decade after her lover has died, she finally has this, like, hot guy that's really into her that's swept her off her feet in an unexpected way. And she's like, oh, I am actually desirable. There's this very funny scene as she just is exiting the makeover montage where a bunch of construction workers like kind of cat call her and she goes like who me like like uh, are you sure like it, it's kind of this like oh i i forgot what it feels like to be attractive so yeah. when she sits down with her like you know chanel shoes or whatever the fuck her revlon 
Like, it's so beautiful. Yeah, I really want to have that kind of share moment. Like, mm. not even, like, a makeover or, like, buying something that makes me feel better about myself, but, like, that moment where you realize that you are a, like, embodied sexual being. Yeah. I really want that for myself this, um, like, holiday season. That's what that's the energy I'm bringing into 2022. Yes, that is, that is. And there's even after, like, when, you know, she turns in the fireplace and she pours herself a glass of wine, she goes over to the mirror and she looks at herself like, like it's like sex. It did kind of remind me of the scene in House of Gucci as Mauricio Gucci is getting killed when Gaga's in the bath and it kind of reads as if she's like masturbating to the thought of her estranged husband being murdered. There are actually a lot of side-by-sides between like House of Gucci and Moonstruck. Did you notice? I mean, you, you're kind of alluding to these. like Yeah, well, I do think like Gaga and Cher are doing similar things mm-hmm. In these roles, or like, I do think uh, House of Gucci was is kind of like Gaga's Moonstruck. Yeah. Okay. We'll get into the the movie comparisons, but on that, actually, I mean, obviously, I'm not saying like Gaga's copying Cher, but Gaga is in Cher's lineage when she goes from the pop star to award winning actress. You know, elevation like that is like absolutely. You see those. You know how the, those are blossoming together, and, and they're both doing like Gaga's doing it. I think beautifully, but like with this movie specifically, when the trailer dropped, everyone's making fun of Gaga. You know what I mean? Everyone's like, yeah. you know, dragging the accent. They're like, this is going to be so camp. When Moonstruck, like the premiere of Moonstruck was, like, happening, like, Cher's name would come on the credit scene and the audience would laugh at her. And then who had the last laugh? Cher. She did. Exactly. It's this moment where you've been a caricature, because to be a pop star, to be a woman and a pop star is to be a caricature. You have to constantly force this, like, you know, archetype of yourself, often changing your identity over and over again just to, like, stay in the business. But, like people, you know, don't want to take those archetypes seriously like Madonna or Cher or Gaga. And so when they decide to do something serious, all of a sudden everyone's like, no, you can't do that. Yeah, well, okay. So you, of the two of us, you are the Cher historian. Sure. I love Cher, but you love Cher on a, on a level that I cannot I do. even, like, think of ascending to. So where where was Cher in her life and her career when Moonstruck came along? Okay, so basically it had been, oh, I guess her and Sonny broke up 79, I think. And this movie took place in 87. Um, between 79 and early 80s, she reemerged as a solo pop star pretty quickly. Um, or actually, not quickly, she had a few flops. And then everyone was like, oh no, Cher is just Cher. We forgot about Sunny. Sunny dies, I think, a year or two before Moonstruck comes out. And it actually should be said, I was reading recently that this movie was very hot off the tails of Cher's appearance on The Letterman Show, the very iconic one that has, like, I think recirculated a lot on Cher Twitter, (laughs) which I am on, wherein she calls Letterman an asshole because he's being a fucking asshole and doing what Letterman always does, which is ask women about people they've slept with or plastic surgery or, like, whatever, you know? Uh, It was kind of a viral moment preceding viral media, And so this version of Cher, where she's kind of like never going to let men 
do that to her in a public place. Uh, I hesitate, hesitate to say, like, feminist. But, like, that kind of component of, like, I'm not going to let you say that to me kind of share. The share that, you know, will never let you live it down is coming out right at this time. Everyone's seeing this side mm. of share. So is this, does this predate the mom I am a rich man moment it, it does predate the mom I am a rich okay, man okay so moment. this is really like the genesis of share kind of becoming the share we know today yes she did already have a nom for silkwood where she played meryl streep's lesbian roommate i um, still ha- i have never seen silkwood we'll I, have to I do really an need episode to. on it um then she had been in a few other flop movies silkwood she got a nom and this was and what the year movie. was witches of eastwick oh it was also 87 Oh, wow. So Witches of Eastwick and Moonstruck came out in the same year? Yeah, I guess probably the two film roles that Cher is best known for. And so with this movie specifically, they really didn't think it was going to transcend. Like, they only spent 15 mil on it. Olympia Dukakis said in interviews later, she was like, this movie is going to be a flop. She thought this movie was going to be a flop, and she talked about it with actors on set. Um, And the movie was one of the highest grossing films of the year. And Cher won an Oscar for it. And Cher and won it, an Oscar And did it win Best Picture? It won Best Screenplay. Okay. Uh, I don't think it was nominated for Best Picture, Which, actually. like, it makes sense because I think the writing is part of what ma- – like, obviously, the performances are what we remember, but the writing and the story – like, when I say that it, it has the same kind of structure as a play, I do think, like – it comes down to, like, the language and the way the story is told and how one thing that really struck me when I saw it is how these really dramatic things are happening, but people are not reacting to them in melodramatic ways. Right. Like, it They're really... so underwhelmed. It feels so lived in and so real. Um, like, at the end when um, Olympia Dukakis says to Cher, like, do you love him, Loretta? And she says, I do. And she says... Oh, uh, like, what did she too, say? Like, it's like, oh, that's too bad. Yeah, you know, like, it's so, it it's so grounded in, this family feels real. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles. Like the made-to-be-seen, very sexy push-up bra from the Very Sexy Collection in on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. 
Rewind to the future with the VS Archive swim collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. Now in this season's must-have shades and patterns. Add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It also has to be said that another thing that you and I respond to in the in the in the vein of what you're talking about is the wolfiness of all of the characters like there's this the, the, inside the, you there are two wolves inside. one of them is Cher and the other one is also Cher <laughs> yeah yeah well the, the film used to be called it was called The Bride and the Wolf or whatever before it was called Moonstruck and it comes from this conversation in the sex scene that Rose was talking about earlier where they say you're a wolf and um there's this iconic line where she says not Loretta but Loretta's I guess aunt says I seen a wolf in every man I ever met and I see a wolf in you. And like the motif of the wolf is used as this downtrodden person, like someone who has been so kind of like hardened by life that they have these underwhelmed, like this kind of like monotony reaction to anything that happens, even if it is like mystical and magical and lo- and love-like because I don't know. I would warrant to say that you and I are kind of jaded by life a little bit. Like, yeah. I think that for sure. you and I are, you know, always like in a very stupid way being like, oh, love doesn't exist. Like men suck, blah, blah, blah. But like it comes, it comes from a place, a, a specific place of like how you or I grew up. And I guess in this moment, like how Cher's character came to fruition before we met the character herself. I did, um, a- as someone who, had heard about this movie and seen the way that it permeated pop culture for so long, but never actually sat down and watched it. When I did watch it, it felt like it slotted itself into, like, my identity so quickly. So the first time you ever watched the movie, what were, what was the thing that you kind of immediately latched onto? Like, what component of it where you were, like, aside from obviously share, which takes up a lot of space in, like, the reasons that someone might watch Moonstruck? Like, what did you come away with that, like, affected it? That made it, it, you I so just, I, I, I don't know that I can break it down to one thing. I, I really do think it's a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it feels so warm. I agree. It's a perfect movie. I'm obviously very prone to exaggeration and hyperbole, but I do think that it's perfect. And when I it made me laugh, it made me cry. It feels like it's like that uh, that video of Gwyneth Paltrow. I laughed. I cried. I had a shot. You know, like it is. It is the full range of human emotions in one film. Generally speaking, I I I do love things that strike that balance between like absurdist and camp and like kind of even quote unquote bad when someone says is like why is this movie good why is this movie bad whatever. Um and also happens to be like very emotionally resonant at the end. Like I think the the thing that it teaches you is really beautiful. But I which we'll get into. But I have to say when I first watched this movie, I was like a freshman in college, had no idea what to expect, was blown away by the idea that Cher and Nicolas Cage are in a movie together. I think that's the most common reaction, at least now. Well, um, this is at such an early stage of Nicolas Cage's career. Yeah. And, like, I guess from what you're saying, a a kind of weird midway point in shares Mm -hmm. or, like, a transitional point in her career. Transitional, for sure. Um, I I do think this is the one time Nicolas Cage has ever been hot. Absolutely. And he is very hot. He is, like, if he had to peak and only be hot once, this was it. Because he he is so fucking sexy in a way that is, like... Still kind of gross. Yeah. Like the first scene where she goes into the basement of the bakery, you know, the Chrissy, get me the big, bring me the big knife. I saw you won't do it, Ronnie. The sexual chemistry they have. Yeah. It, I mean, of course, like, how could you not have that with Cher? Yeah. Um, but I really do think that this it their their love scene is the best romantic, sexy love scene I've ever seen. And it's bizarre as well. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Which she cooked like scene. her cooking him the steak and yeah. like it, it's just uh, and and like the the melodrama of it the oh I don't care take me take me. The movie likes to the the thing about I guess talking about like camp in this film or like John Patrick Shanley's kind of love for exaggeration is that so many he takes all these tropes from rom-coms and romances we've already seen and he kind of like inflates them a little bit and makes them like bizarre and weird. And so, you know, in that sex scene, like Nick Cage like swoops her off her feet in a way that feels like almost like this scene was like overblocked, like or like they were doing it in it's Well just, again, like, a very it, quick it is like moment. a play. It feels like yes, it, feels like, it a play. feels like they are playing to the back of the house yeah. in 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 a scene that is shot very intimately. And then it also, like, the script also loves, like, these ham-fisted metaphors. Like, in the scene in the bakery where, like, <laughs> Nick Cage goes, he's like, and I bake bread, 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 and I stick it in and out of this hot hole every day. Like, he says that. And, like, John Patrick Shanley knows what he's doing. When he said, like, when he, when they say, like, you're um, a bride without a head, a wolf without a foot, and then he sweeps her off her feet for no reason, like, he knows that that's weird. And I think that, part of the reason that people say, wait, this is a bad movie is because they don't understand how self-aware the script actually Do is. Do people say it's a bad movie? I def- Yes, absolutely. I think a lot of people don't understand that this film is legitimately good. There's a kind of, you know, a whole caravan of people, especially like gay gays, that are like, oh my God, it's so bad, it's good. Which, I love things that are so bad, it's good. But that's not Moonstruck. I guess I just like haven't engaged with that 
part of it. I have only interacted with people who genuinely love this movie. I think the movie has like a like some beautiful like lessons and themes that kind of come from What are they? The idea of being a wolf without a foot. Like the monologue comes through because Cher makes some presumptions about like Nick Cage's former, former romantic life, which in the movie it's like his hand got chopped off by a bread slicer and then his wife left him. Um because he wasn't paying attention because he was distracted by his brother, which is like, why there's a, a rift between them. Right. And she kind of, like, pull. she kind of says right away, look, like, you're jaded by life. You've done this to yourself. Like, it's not about your hand. This isn't about your hand. This is about you. And Nick Cage spins it around. He's like, you're doing the exact same thing, sis. You, Your husband died a decade ago. You know? They kind of, like, see each other's, like, hurt or, like, their kind of, like, tortured romantic past lives. And that is, like, what makes them decide to have sex. You know what I mean? It's like, the fact that Cher couldn't, Cher didn't have anything in common with Johnny because his her actual fiance because he's an idiot and he's lived a charmed life. But she sees this also guy seems who, to be like a marriage of not convenience, but she's settling. Yeah, you know, definitely settling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's I think my favorite thing about this film is like um, Cher and Nicolas Cage. Like they get spoiler, they get together in the end, and they get they basically are going to get married. Um, they're probably not a great match for marriage. You know what I mean? Like, they they may not actually, if you think about, like, if there were a sequel, like, I don't think they would last as a couple. I do. Well, okay, we should get into that. But my point is, it it actually, the whether the relationship works or not has nothing to do with, to me, the key lesson of the, the crucial lesson of the film, which is that Cher is falling in love with herself and Ronnie happens to be a vehicle for that because she's finally doing something that she just wants to do instead of settling for something she has to. I also think that if we're gonna like fan fictionify Moonstruck and think about what would happen next, like there is something about like the cycle of what happens in families and maybe like after Moonstruck, like, she and Ronnie will end up in the situation that her parents are in, mm. where her dad's cheating on her mom, and, like, eventually she's like, knock it off, and they come back together, because I do think there's a tension in Moonstruck between responsibility and passion, mm. and how those things play out in families. Yeah. Because, you know, the father is having this affair with this woman, and, you know, his wife, like, doesn't leave him, um, she just kind of reminds him, like, you, you know, you're my husband. Yeah. Like, you know, knock it off. Well, she says, <laughs> well, first of all, she, um, Olympia Dukakis, after finding out that her husband is cheating on her, goes on, like, a very innocent kind of dinner date with the Fraser guy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And in this conversation. The dad from Fraser. The dad from Fraser. Um, and in this conversation, she goes, she's thinking about her husband cheating on her. And she goes, why do men chase women? And he has this, like, kind of long, like, meandering answer about, like, you know, whatever, something stupid. And she goes, I think it's because they fear death. And, like... Which is so true. It is absolutely true. You know, I think about... It's so true. The thrill of the chase is... It's literally a production of testosterone. Yeah. Because before I transitioned, the way I thought about sex was just about 
hunting it down and finding it. And then the actual act itself was always like kind of anticlimactic always. considering it's a climax. Every time. Um, it was really about the hunt. And mm. like I was so much more of a predator. <laughs> not, not a predator. Um I I mean that is why when men the actual answer to why men chase women is because they're all predators like Yeah, but it's it's true like there is this like biological imperative in men to hunt for sex like a wolf. Yeah. And I like that share in this movie like finds that impulse within her to, like, be the wolf. Despite being so much about, like, this traditional Italian-American family, it subverts this idea of fidelity. And in the end, like, cheaters actually do prosper. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I love about it. And it's really like, um, oh, that's life, you know? Yeah. Like, the, the, the film ends with the man who Cher has cheated on being welcomed into the family because she is now in love with his brother. Yeah. And they end the movie as like, as one big, happy, dysfunctional family. And that feels really realistic. You know, families are complicated and fucked up and people make bad decisions and life goes on. Which brings me to my favorite moment in the entire film and the scene that I I do have tattooed on my leg, which is when Cher and Nicolas Cage have this Basically, they've gone to the opera together. Cher is very moved by the opera. She catches her dad cheating with this woman. That kind of puts her in a mental spin about her own infidelity and what she's doing with Nicolas Cage. And so they have this argument about love and why... And Cher is kind of being like, we shouldn't be doing this. And Nicolas Cage says, love isn't perfect. Like, stars are perfect. Snowflakes are perfect. Like, love is not supposed to be this, like perfect picture that you see at the end of a rom-com it's supposed to be messy and we're supposed to love the wrong people and that's why i love this movie is like there is something to take away from the ways and the kind of molds that we fit our own stories into because that's what you're supposed to do you're not supposed to cheat on your partner but there are actually so many reasons like, for specific people's specific lives, why it actually would be very legitimately rational to, like, cheat on your partner or to, like, fall in love with someone new. That is That could be the actual better route for you. You could have a better partner by cheating. And that doesn't make it right, but that does make it an essential part of your destiny, which I think is, like, the motif of the, the moon is, like, the moon is about mysticism and serendipity and things just kind of happening and being beautiful. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. 
With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles. Like the made-to-be-seen, very sexy push-up bra from the Very Sexy Collection. In on-trend hues like black shine, green, and citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. Now in this season's must-have shades and patterns. Add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape Fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Have you ever uh, been cheated on or been a cheater? I've never been cheated on. However, I have been the other woman seven times. That's a lot of times. Yeah. But I, you know, that's, it was in, I mean, I would say a lot of it was when I was in college and some of it was with the same, there were at least two of these people where they cheated on multiple boyfriends with me. Which is, I mean, I'm not, like, proud to say. But at the time, I was, like, very, like, that's on them. Like, this is about them. This is Absol- about you. Absolutely. I have also been the other woman. Really? Um, yeah. How- uh, to to m- married men. <gasps> I've been the other woman to one married man. In situations where both, like, I knew what was going on or, like, found out after the fact or, like, it was just kind of implied. I knew he um, was married. And it's it's really complicated. And, you know, you 
you I have certainly never asked about it. Yeah, I don't either. You kind of avoid it to like fulfill because you the don't you fantasy. don't you don't know what people's situations are. Although I certainly think I I don't think in any of the scenarios I've been in like these people were in an open relationship. I, I think as as a uh, you know queer people in twenty twenty one. Hopefully, we're not getting into situations where anyone's cheating because we are, you know, in open relationships or are have partners who are, like, polyamorous or, right. you know, whatever the situation is. But even in open relationships, like, there can still be infidelity. And I think really what it comes down to is is lying to your partner. Yeah, it is. And that is, like... The crucial, it's kind of a loophole in the film is that, like, sure doesn't necessarily lie to Johnny to get to where she is. She's just kind of, like, circumnavigated, I guess, the truth to get to that moment. The full circle of that old woman, as played by you, Rose Damu, casting the curse on the plane that Johnny is on, she basically, like, says, I put a curse on that plane, it's going to crash and burn or whatever. And Cher's like, I don't believe in curses. Um... The fact that she cursed the plane, that the curse came true. Johnny's wife basically cheated on him and left him. It's like the curse kind of manifested in what so, is the perfect ending. So full circle. It's so full circle. Well, I've never been in a monogamous relationship before. Mm. So I've never been a cheater. I've had partners who I've been dishonest to. Mm. And I think that can be as devastating in relationships as infidelity. If not worse. Yeah. Honestly, I think that a lot of like, especially in like cis hetero relationships, like infidelity is like this, like a, okay, it's over. Like, fuck you. Like, that's the final straw. Like, there's no way we can stay together after the cheating happens. And like, that's just like, to me, such a limiting way to think about your relationship. It's also not realistic. I think like, I would imagine that most monogamous couples have there has been some kind of infidelity and whether they've talked about it or not like they've moved past it i think probably the best example is the sex and city movie when steve <laughs> cheats on miranda and like it almost ends their marriage but they you know decide mutually to move past it wow. and stay together wow esther perel found dead um i feel who? like esther perel i don't know who that is Oh my god, producer Phoebe is freaking out as much as I am. Okay, so Esther Perel is this relationships expert. She's Jewish, and she's, like, literally a genius, and she has a lot of, like, teachings about, like, romance, especially, like, monogamous relationship romance. But she has, you know, a whole book about, like, the artifice of infidelity as we've created it in Western culture, and, like, how movies, like rom-coms, have painted this picture of cheating being the thing that you will never get away with and everything else you can work through. You know what I mean? Which is so absurd. And so that's, again, another beautiful thing about this movie is like just painting a picture wherein infidelity actually is the best fate for these protagonists. You know what I mean? Do you ever see yourself wanting to be in a monogamous relationship? Not a monogamish relationship. Yes, for sure. I think, honestly, if we were painting the fanfic of Cher and Nick Cage, they probably are gonna... If they were to work, it would have to be, like, monogamish or, like, an open relationship or something. For me, personally, I feel like I believe in, like, love cycles. You know what I mean? I think I go through, like, moments with 
people were in. It's like really deep, really passionate, really intimate and can be for a long, long time. But that those cycles have endings. And if that includes like me being with a long term partner and then maybe falling for a short term partner or something like that, like, I don't know, I think that's much more realistic than an idea of monogamy. What about you? Uh, I would like to say that I don't think I'll ever want to be in a monogamous relationship because it hasn't happened. But I also know myself well enough to know that I'm secretly a romantic. Secretly. And I, if I was in love with someone deeply enough that I wanted to commit myself to them, mm. I don't know if I could, like, be in an open relationship. Yeah. You don't think? I don't know. I, re- I, I, I really don't know, but for as as jaded and cynical as I am and always have been, and especially in a way that's been applied to my relationships, I really am a romantic and, you like, are. believe in, I don't know, true love. <laughs> I don't know if I believe in it for myself. We'll see. We'll see if it happens. Cosmos Moon. Um, but you know, like if who who knows? Like if I will fall in love with someone in a way so deeply where I can't imagine wanting to be with someone else, and where I would be devastated if they wanted someone else. I know that it's not fair or realistic to expect that you know one person will only want to be intimate with one person for the rest of their lives. Mm. But I don't know. I do feel like there's part of me that like wouldn't be okay with it. You know, what's so funny though, is that like the premise of that question that we hear a lot of, like, do you believe in love? Do you believe in that kind of romance is really predicated on this picture of this like mainstream depiction of love that we see in movies and books and whatever, since the dawn of time, it's like, we ha- when we are asked, do you believe in love? They're actually asking, do you believe in this fairy tale kind of? Oh, absolutely. I know that my romanticism comes from the media I consumed at a formative age. Right. Which is why this, the, like, Moonstruck is amazing. But, like, that's, like, our answer should be, like, I don't believe in that version of love. But, like, there's a version of perfect romance that maybe doesn't check all the boxes that you think it needs to check that is still true love. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I, that's one of the beautiful things about Moonstruck is it provides a lens to like look at your life and your relationships in. Like it, there is something for everyone in it. It does the best thing art can do, which is like tell a really specific story that also is extremely universal, and it breaks down this like di- the dichotomy of. The bride and the wolf, the person who believes in love, believes in the fantasy, and the person who's, like, jaded by life and won't, you know, accept it in is, like, it's basically saying that there is, like, a medium between these two things that can make you a perfectly well-rounded person. Honestly, this is, like, you and me. It's, like, you're the wolf, I guess, and I'm the bride. Am I the, bri- am I the uh, yeah, bride? Yeah, you're you're the bride. I'm the but one also, that's, like, believes but in the But also, fantasy. like, I'm secretly the bride. Yeah, you are, se- and I'm secretly the wolf. Bro. Yeah. Inside you, there are two wolves. <laughs> one is one, one is, is Sharon, one is Nicholas Cage. One is Rose, Inside one is Inside you, yes. Well... 
This is our last episode of the year. I know we started this kind of towards the end of the year. Yes, but you, you, us and the listeners are, we're new friends. Yes. And even though we've only done a few months of episodes, Fran and I started working on this podcast almost a year ago at this point. Basically in the new year, zhuzh. Yeah. And it has been really beautiful to see y'all listen to it and respond to it and... Uh, engage with it and I'm so grateful for everyone who listens to this podcast I'm so grateful to our producer Phoebe Phoebe um, everyone at iHeart our our team at iHeart who are so amazing and I'm so grateful to Fran my co-host and sister A, a rare on the record moment of genuine affection it, it won't last. <laughs> I'm grateful for you too, Rose. And I'm thankful for all the virgins. We love you, virgins. Grateful for what you're introducing to me next week. Oh, yeah. So next up on our first episode of 2022, we will be talking about Twilight. Which, to be totally honest, is maybe the purest like um, kind of conceit of this podcast in general. It's like something Rose genuinely showed me for the first time. Yes. And we will be discussing it with... The, like, number one Twilight stan I know, other than myself, Peyton Dix. That's right. Um, Leave us a review, please, if you love us. Also, tweet at us, post in your Instagram story, tell us, are you a wolf or are you a bride? And don't forget, if you want to call in and let us know the thing that you are so obsessed with, call and leave us a message, a little confession, if you will, at 323-PENANCE. That's 323-736-2623. I'm Fran Dorado. You can find me at Friends Squishco on Instagram and Twitter. And I'm Rose Domu. You can find me at Rose Domu on Instagram and Twitter. You can subscribe to Like a Virgin anywhere you listen to podcasts. Our producer is Phoebe Unter, the Phoebe Unter. We love you, Phoebe. With support from Lindsay Hoffman, Julian Weller, Jess Cranechich, and Nikki Vitor. Until next week. See you later, virgins. Until next year. Until next year. See you in 2022, virgins. We love you so much. Bye. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Happy Pride. This is Raquel Willis from Queer Chronicles. I'm here to tell you about Lambda Legal. For more than 50 years, Lambda Legal has been in court protecting the civil rights of LGBTQ plus people and everyone living with HIV. And the good news is you can help. 
Support Lambda Legal's work by donating this Pride Month. Throughout June, all donations up to $100,000 will be matched. To donate, go to lambdalegal.org. That's L-A-M-B-D-A legal.org. Help Lambda Legal remain unstoppable.